one podcast. Mining the Magic the Gathering subreddits for salt. This is The Howling Salt Mine. It's The Howling Salt Mine. The Howling Salt Mine. Welcome back, prospectors, to another episode of the Howling Salt Mine podcast, the podcast where we delve into those salty, salty mines of the Magic the Gathering community, find the saltiest stories, the saltiest confessions we can get, bring them back up in our mine cart, and share them with you, our dear listeners. As always, I'm your host, Sam, and I'm joined today by my co-host, Mike. Say hey, Mike. Hey, Mike. And he's back again. We got our guest co-host back on. Nick, say what's up. So I got a quick story. I was on vacation. <laughs> and, and he broke uh, the streak. Hang on, hang on. I was on vacation and uh, we visited a farm and uh, we were just walking around the farm and, you know, looking at all the stuff the, the farmers are doing. And these guys were like pulling these big bundles of stuff out and they were giving to the horses. And I turned to my dad like, what, what are they doing? And my dad just says, it's hey, Nick. Nice. <laughs> nice. Boo. Amazing. <laughs> oh Bam. man. Got there. Yeah, I'm I'm impressed, but sad. <laughs> Incredible. I'm sure there's a German word for that. <laughs> oh man. We love a callback. Yeah, Tony's not with us again this week. He is still a cat in the hat. He's still a cat. Yeah. He's still dancing across the boards, as they say. Yeah, he's still peeing in boxes. <laughs> oh, that's a cat thing. I was like, is that like a is that like a performance a plot point? It's like a Dr. Seuss thing. I thought it was like, you know how they say like treading the boards or something to be like, yo, I'm acting on stage. I thought like peeing in a box was like another like little saying that, that theater people would say, oh, I'm peeing in the box on Saturday with a new one man show. <laughs> yeah tony's still not with us he's uh he's still deep in the susicle in his defense we didn't give him any time to not be in the susicle because we've recorded two episodes back to back so uh papa needs a backlog everybody sips beer <laughs> sipping my all day ipa and i got a fucking bud light ready after that <laughs> <laughs> The backup Bud Light. The backup Bud Light. These are the these are the like forty beers that I got after my baby shower because <laughs> nobody drank anything. Uh, so I had my baby shower like I mean at this point a few weeks ago. By the time this episode comes out, probably a couple months back. Tony unfortunately couldn't make it. I mean he lives out of state, so he's got a pretty good excuse. Uh, but Nick and Mike were there, and we were like preparing for it. And my parents were helping coordinate it. My wife's parents were helping coordinate it. And we were like, okay, we're going to do kind of like a brunch thing and we'll have like a beer bar and we'll have mimosas. And my parents like put the attendees into some like calculator that was like, how much, how much booze do you need? <laughs> For it their was definitely Sunday like... afternoon brunch party. <laughs> and like, oh, it was definitely like, it was definitely like three times the amount that we needed. <laughs> <laughs> like we finished the day with... I think we still had like 10 bottles of champagne nice. or something <laughs> insane. And then we had like 80 beers and I took 40 and my dad took 40. So I am left with some Bud Lights because we did get some of those. And I'm going to drink them, you know? You got it. Yep. <laughs> it's basically I'm, water anyway. What difference does it make? Exactly. I'm about to become a dad. I got to get used to the flavor of a cool BL. You, you got to put that dad bod together. Get that <laughs> oh, beer gut going. I'm working on it, man. <laughs> <laughs> This week, I've been eating like shit. I've probably had yeah. like maybe two beers every night. Not too bad. Kind of bad. Not too Couple bad. Couple beers, though. And then I've had like a bag of Takis that I've just been like <laughs> grazing <laughs> no, on no. over the course of the week. And then my wife's parents came over this weekend and my wife's mom made us like cupcakes while we hung out. And they're these like lemon curd cupcakes. They're fucking dope. But of course... They left and we still had like 10 cupcakes. So I've eaten five cupcakes this week. <laughs> nice. Yep. I'm surprised the bag of Takis has made it through the week. 
Like that's the kind of thing <laughs> like chip like snacks are consumed in two days. <laughs> that, that is purely to preserve my gut biome and not just like <laughs> napalm it to hell. Like <laughs> oh, if man. I had gone full bore on the Takis, I would be I would be in some dire straits. It'd be a mess. Yeah, I'd it'd I'd be a mess down there. <laughs> I have a dumb question. What's a Taki? Oh Nick, Takis are so good. Think of a round tortilla chip. Okay. Except they roll it into a tube. Oh, okay. So okay. it's like super yeah, yeah, crunchy. Yeah. And I've then they what, I know what you're talking about toss now. it in this like really spicy kind of tart powder. Man, it turns your fingertips red, makes your mouth hurt. It's great. That makes sense. That explains the gut biome thing then. Mm-hmm. Yeah, yeah. It It is just like rolled in capsaicin and like <laughs> a little bit of chili pepper and citric acid and then you just crush them and they hurt yeah. you nice yeah it's like flaming hot cheetos it's the same powder essentially just on a different vehicle <laughs> <laughs> um but we're not talking about spicy things today we're talking about salt <laughs> Segway. Segway. <Nice>. clean <laughs> but sam yes what's salt Nice. I'm so glad you asked, Mike. Salt is frustration in the game, as we like to say. You know, it's when you are about to combo off with a combo that you've never done before, a synergy in your deck that you're really excited about. You just can't wait to see it go. And uh, your opponent just decides to counterspell you and your dreams get crushed. It's kind of like when your friends are on a podcast and they say pretty explicitly that they don't mind Mill. And then you play your mill deck, uh, and then the hostess said podcast gets really, really upset about the mill deck doing mill things. Just what a, what a weird example. Probably I know, some right? Other show. So specific, oddly specific. Probably right. some yeah, other imagine show, I who bet. that could have happened yeah. to. <laughs> oh man, yeah, I did get wicked fucking salty in a game you recently. Were mad, oh, dude. <laughs> Like, I think back on that Mill episode where we were like, well, Mill isn't that bad. He lied, folks. He fucking lied. <laughs> no, I I fell for Nick's propaganda that he's been feeding us for like three years <laughs> about how Mill isn't that bad. It's and not, it, guys. It's, it's stuck fine. in my head. Don't worry about he's it. like, no, it's really not that bad. It's one of the hardest win cons. You it's see true. cards go by, but you're not actually losing value. Also true. true. You know what? When your fucking win con goes in the graveyard and you can't get it back, you're losing value. <laughs> You're losing a lot of value, actually. <laughs> just play oh, Alesha man. every time he plays Bruvac, and then you don't mind. <laughs> yeah, I'll just put a Shuffle Titan in all my decks, and, yeah, there and you go. that'll do it. But yeah, man, I got super salty. I think I was playing my Togo Kesket Rocks deck. Yeah. And just saw some good shit go by, and I was like, man, I was going to tutor for that. Like, that's what I needed to win and pop off in this situation, and... I think I still won that game, but you definitely did because I definitely lost. So it was hard. It was all of your salt fought. was perfectly unfounded. Oh man, that was the game with the deflecting SWAT. That was fucking like legendary. We oh we have to talk about we that. Talk about that was this. an amazing play. Yeah, so we're we're playing. It's the three of us. It's uh it's me, Mike, and Nick, and we're playing with one of our patrons. I was playing my Togo Kesket Rocks deck, and Nick was playing Bruvac, of course, and Mike was playing Mike was playing Aura. So at some point, Nick is milling us out like crazy. My life total is super low. I'm at like five or something, like very low. Nick has been milling the shit out of me and I'm salty. <laughs> and I think I have like 14 cards left in my library. Like not a lot. Um, Nick pulled this move where it was like at the beginning of each of our turns, we had to discard our hand and draw an equivalent amount or something. And he did that after putting like 20 cards in his hand. So we all had these like full fucking grips of like 20 cards. And I was at this point where I was going to get milled out. Once it got to my turn, I'd hit that upkeep trigger. The discard and draw trigger would go on the stack and I would draw my deck up and lose. Mike had gotten to the point where he got his Aetherflux Reservoir out and valued to the point where he was at like, I think 51, 51. life. Yeah, so 51. you had just enough to keep yourself safe. And you're basically like, if anyone points anything at me, I'm going to fucking kill you. <laughs> <laughs> so Mike has the fully loaded Aether Flux. I'm going next and I'm about to die on the upkeep trigger. We get to my upkeep. The trigger goes on the stack. I decide to 
I forget what I cast. It might have been a braid or something, but I go to blow up Mike's Aetherflux Reservoir to force his hand. And he's like, why? He's like, why the fuck would you do that, man? I was like, this is my plan. He's like, I'm going to have to kill you now. I'm like, yep, seems like you have to. So he shoots me with the Aether Flux, and then I deflecting swat it to Nick to kill Nick, which takes the trigger off yep. of the stack that was going to have me draw my deck. And Amazing. Moves. Beautiful. And actually, I think I lost that game. I think I did. I think you're right. You you won the spirit of the game, that's for sure. It's like one of those plays you can't even get mad about. We were all just like, (laughs) damn. (laughs) Oh, I got mad. (laughs) (laughs) I was on the receiving end and I was like, yep, you earned that. That was that was wonderful. I applaud. It it was one of those plays that like rinsed away all my salt. I just felt like great after that. I was like, man, I fucking did it. (laughs) It was was one of those plays that left me at one health with no Aether Flux. So I did not feel great. (laughs) I did use my. (laughs) Yeah, I felt felt used. (laughs) Oh, man, that was a great game, though. Was. And Mill, perfectly balanced. Not a problem at all. (laughs) As all things should be. As all things should be. I still think that Mill isn't as bad as people say it is, but there is something where, like, if you have specific win cons that get milled past in your deck, your chances of winning the game do drop a lot. So, you know, it's hard. Like, I don't know if the threat of milling out is really the risk in those situations, but the threat of lost value is legit to some extent, you know? Depends on how tight your win cons are how much overlap you have but i saw a bunch of my win cons hit the yard and i'm like i have no way to rebuild um with that specific deck fair enough yeah mill sucks what can you that's say not, that's not true, true. It's toxic okay? it's toxic it's uh and it's not allowed actually it's actually the worst version of a deck in the entire game yeah i'd rather play <laughs> against winter orb said no, no one ever <laughs> yeah i would not certainly <laughs> Well, shall we get into it, guys? Should we hit our yeah, first one? Let's, let's read we some posts. Shall. Let's do it. Our first story comes to us from Jonathan, and this is a Gmail submission. Thanks, Jonathan. And Jonathan says, hello, I'm a big fan of the podcast so far, but I'm normally not a pillar of salt. So this is the first time I can contribute to the podcast. Ooh, rare salt. Welcome. Welcome, Exquisite. friend. Mm, <laughs> nice Himalayan salt. pink. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> Last night, I was playing this brand new dragon tribal deck that I made. Mm, It was packed with big dragons, cost reducers, and ways to otherwise cheat the dragons into play using Jund colors. I had literally just finished sleeving it up and was ready for my first game against a couple of friends I play with almost every week when another regular walks up and asks to join. Man, Uh-oh. so many stories have started dun, dun, dun. Oh, boy. Yeah, the uh, the fabled fourth mysterious person that comes in and fucks <laughs> up your night. <laughs> I've played against this third opponent a few times before, and he always plays a really tuned Captain Gathrod deck, but insists that it's a pre-con. Two of the previous times I played against him, we were all playing pre-con level, and he absolutely wiped the floor with us. This time, the game is off to a slow start for me. I made my first three land drops, but I haven't hit any ramp. Instead, my hand being filled with six CMC dragons. You hate to see it, folks. The Gathrod player, however, has been dropping unblockable horrors every turn and now ramps into playing his commander. He hits me for two life, forcing me to mill two cards. I watch my command tower and necropolis regent go to the graveyard, and he ends his turn stealing the region for free using his commander's ability. Each subsequent turn, he attacks me with more horrors, and the regent makes them double in size each time to mill more cards. I watch all of... It's great. We were just talking about fucking mill. (laughs) (laughs) I watch all of my land drops get milled, and he keeps taking all of the big bomb dragons for free onto his battlefield. The only reason he stops attacking me is when he realizes that if he kills me, he loses his board state because half of the non-land permanents he controls come from my graveyard. I'm still on three lands on turn eight with no mana rocks and one ornithopter of paradise on field. That fucking sucks. (laughs) Opponent one and two debate killing me to demolish opponent three's board. Opponent one plays Smothering Tithe and overloads Dam 
and then runs away with the game because opponents two and three used all of their removal and counter spells on each other prior to the board wipe. I was just happy that the game was over. I made my fourth land drop on turn nine with 36 lands in my starting deck. Man, that is a, you know, just total like perfect storm. Yeah, yeah that sucks. That really, that, is. that really sucks. Oh man, that that man, this person like checked all the fucking boxes, didn't they? <laughs> man is screwed. Shitty random fourth player. Card theft. Mill. Like what didn't they hit? New deck. New deck. Board wipe. <laughs> So let me uh, read this commander. Um, Captain Ngathrod, I think it's pronounced. Ngathrod? Ngathrod? Captain Ngathrod. Um, it's a weird D&D card, everybody. Classic. It's got a strange name. It costs five mana, three colorless, one blue, and one black. And it is a horror pirate legendary creature that is a 3-6. It says horrors you control have menace. Whenever a horror you control deals combat damage to a player... That player mills that many cards. At the beginning of your end step, choose target artifact or creature card in an opponent's graveyard that was put there from the library this turn and put it on the battlefield under your control. That's fucking strong. How much? Yeah, really what, what was the cost of the commander? Five. Five. That's real That's good. I think good. I might be building this deck. <laughs> no. Dibs? What That's have you wrought? really good. Dibs. Um... I mean, that's a ton of mill. Like, you get a few chonky horrors out there. Yeah. And they all have menace, menace, so they're hard to block. Yeah. And, like, you're guaranteed to hit at least something juicy. I like this a lot. (laughs) Pull it in without the casting cost. That's spicy, dude. I like that. But, man, I mean, we we were literally just talking about mill. Like, I I honestly didn't even (laughs) pre-pick this. I just, like, pointed to a question, uh, and this happens to be the one. So... Yeah, I feel you, dude. Fucking sucks. Especially when you're land screwed and you're getting milled and you're seeing your land props yeah. like go by. I think yeah. that is like that is when mill is the most tilting. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Yeah. I am torn because on one hand, I really like dragon tribal decks because the first ever commander deck I had was the the Ur Dragon precon. And I had at one point tuned that up pretty hard. I played a Lathless deck that was pretty good too. So I love Dragon Tribal. I also love Mill. But man, this, like I, this poor person just had like literally everything stacked against him this game. That that's just just pour one out for you, dude. I'm sorry, that's just sucks. Yeah. you just had a bad game, <laughs> man. Sometimes you just take your your bad beats. Yeah. yeah. There's also this like this thing that is so punishing when an opponent has taken enough of mm-hmm. your stuff where they're like, well, I have to keep you alive so I can keep all your cool shit that I'm yeah. using. And you're like, sweet. Thanks for using me like, yeah. really intensely. Like, thank yeah. you. Dance dance for me. Yeah, Nothing feels better than your opponent playing your deck for you better than you. Yeah, I just got to see oh, this man. when we were playing at uh, TJ's Cafe for Sam's birthday. There was like someone playing pieces just right off of the top. I forget what it was, if it was a mnemonic betrayal or what, but like they hit all of their opponent's things right off the top and literally someone said like oh great i just slotted that in i wanted to see how that worked and like this person is experiencing that with every single card yeah. <laughs> that they're seeing because it's the first time yeah that happened oh with yeah me this with... is the first time playing the dragon deck oh right. that's yeah. so much worse oh it's terrible that, that happened to me when tony i think he was playing i forget the deck but it was ragavan and he just kept hitting me with the ragavan <laughs> yeah. and then stealing yeah. everything good out of my deck yep Oh, damn it, Tony. It's extra salty because you kind of know that this is the experience that you're going to get. Like this post talks about knowing that this is what the player plays, right? Yeah. yeah. And that's super frustrating because you're bringing out a new deck. You don't know. If anything, the ideal scenario for a new deck is to be just slightly higher powered than everything else at the table. Just get its chance to go off. It doesn't necessarily win, (laughs) but it gets its chance to like get going. That's sort of the ideal entrance. And to have someone just kind of steamroll you is really painful. But not even just steamroll, right? It's like literally take your cards, steamroll <laughs> you with them, then keep you around as the sock puppet just to keep your cards. Yeah. <laughs> it, it's like yeah. it's like taking somebody 
blending them down into a slurry, mixing them with the asphalt and steamrolling it to pave a new road to victory. That's wow. That's, that's impressive. That's I was going to say, it's like, you know, somebody ripped your arm off, beat you with it. And then it's like, no, I'm not going to give you your arm back yet. I got to beat these other guys with it first. And then you can have your arm and die in peace. <laughs> yeah, It's so brutal, man. I mean, those types of decks can just be so tilting, but, but at the same time, it really is timing, you know, like with this kind of commander, if you got two big dragons out and they just couldn't attack, like they might not be able to attack you for the rest of the game and get through if you just get like a couple good blockers out, you know? So I think that there is like a world where part of this is just bad breaks with like a shitty hand. Like if you had gotten a couple of those six CMC dragons out, you probably could have held your own, stop that onslaught. But when someone is down, and you have a deck that can be parasitic and like pull those resources. Oh man, you you just go in for it. You're like, yeah. you're like sweet. I need to do this. You know, like it's like when you play a Ragavan and someone doesn't play any blockers. You're like, cool. I'm gonna attack you for the rest Every of the time. game yeah. as much as I can because I need the value. Yeah, you're gonna find the punching bag. Yeah, <laughs> those decks are funny because there's always this moment where someone's like, I'm not the threat. And you're like, I don't care. I need value. Yes, how that's not what this is about. <laughs> like, that's how I feel with Alesha, too, where I play it and I'm like, sorry, I got to attack you again. And it's like, why? I'm not I'm doing nothing to you. And I'm like, I need to draw one card off yeah. of my Timna. And this is the only way I can. <laughs> this isn't about you. This is about me. Yeah, yeah. exactly. Oh, man. <laughs> it's not personal, kid. It's just business. <laughs> <laughs> Personnel, kid. <laughs> oh, gosh. But that sounds like a crazy evening. Um, and hey, you didn't lose to that player. Maybe that's a silver lining. <laughs> uh, the maybe is doing a lot of work in that phrase there. Yeah. Uh, and sometimes you're just happy to die in those games. Yeah. Yeah. What do you guys think about the salt score on this? Oh, this is this is top tier. This is like the the strata, the different layers of salt in the salt mine, because there's so many different aspects to this. You're like Every little dig down, there's a new layer of salt to be uncovered, <laughs> slightly different flavor than the previous one. Yeah. This is I, like, I feel like, I don't know, this post seems like one for the ages. Uh, this will be difficult to top. <laughs> yeah. It, yeah. As Nick said, this checks, this checks all the boxes. Yeah. This is, this is 100% of your daily needed, needed sodium intake. This is like yeah, a week's is, worth. Yeah. It's so much more than a day. <laughs> You ate that whole bag of Takis in one sitting. <laughs> you did. Now you, you are did in pain. All the Takis. Now you are full of pain and regret. And you didn't even want to. That's the worst part. <laughs> yeah, exactly. You, didn't even, you yeah. didn't even feel good. You were like, let me try a new flavor. Oh. <laughs> oh, what have I done? I can't stop. Yeah, I mean, this is like, it's not even a salt shaker. This is like the the deepest shaft in the salt mine. And it's dark and you're alone and you're scared. You got shafted. It's just, it is a dark place. (laughs) Well, Jonathan, thank you for sharing the salt. Uh, I hope that you've been able to hop off with this deck another time and, um, you know, hopefully stick it to that, that uh, other player and, and kind of show them what's what with your dragons. Unfortunately, you've inspired Nick with your stories. So. <laughs> yeah, and not a good, not not to rebuild one of his dragon decks that he mentioned loving yeah. so much, but instead to build the object of your salt here. <laughs> I mean, only because I know you guys can take it. Yeah, it's true. Like I, I laugh, but I am also building an Anawan mill deck right now, yeah, which is so similar too. to this and a bit shittier. <laughs> uh. Sorry. <laughs> shall we do another one? We yeah, shall. Let's let's do it. Yeah, let's hop into the Patreon and uh, jump into another story here. Where can people find this Patreon if they want to submit their Shameless own salty plug. stories? <laughs> Patreon.com slash Howling Salt Mine. Ooh, very nice. Uh, we have extra content every month. You get stray grains every week. It's our short form series. It's very like NPR and, uh, and funny. This is NPR. <laughs> So, some people say that Stray Grains is like the best content that we produce. And I'm like, I'm like kind of in agreement with them sometimes. Wow. Like every once in a while I hear a Stray Grains and it's just like fucking solid gold, man. Like it, it is very funny. Um, anywho, 
So this one comes to us from our council forum. This is where our uh, salt council members can submit us salty stories. And, you know, we chat about the show and all that kind of fun stuff. And this one comes to us from Bobo Fett. And this story is called Big Brain Pickled with Salt. Ooh. And the post goes, I have a group that gets together maybe once a month. The main three of us work together with some fill-ins by other acquaintances. We hadn't played for a while. Some new brews had been hatched, but we kept talking about playing. Finally, we find a night over the holiday season to play, just the three of us. We want to blow through some games with our new brews. Actual players, Mike is shaking his head. Replayer <laughs> games again. <laughs> Madness. Oh, man. <laughs> Actual commander is not really important, just that the first guy in turn order was on reanimation. I mulliganed once, decided to keep an iffy hand with a suboptimal turn one. Turn one, player one, doesn't play a land and ends his turn discarding Hellkite Tyrant in cleanup. Fucking classic. Ooh, what a move. Classic reanimator move. Player two and I look at each other like cornered animals. We banter <laughs> about big brain play. Player one smirks apparently living through the possible turn two reality. Player two drops a land, mana dork, and passes. I smile because my terrible keep has turned out much better. I play land into Lantern of the Lost, exiling the one card in any <laughs> graveyard. The three of us erupt in laughter. The big brain play, now sitting in exile, pickled in a jar of what could have been. That's the risk, I suppose. <laughs> Player one says. After the game, he mentions he was going to reanimate and start stealing any rocks we play. No doubt with my artifact-centric deck, he would have gotten even more value and or I would have had a very plain board state. We talked about after the game, and the winner wasn't the highlight of the conversation. It was the salt counter, salt fighting salt with salt interaction that we remember the most. I'm thankful for having a long-term few I can play with because I do not think this would have been so casually fun in a pickup group. Mm, totally. Love that. Yeah, well said. Love that. Yeah, well said. <laughs> it's so true. It's like the the exact same game actions change so much depending mm -hmm. on the attitudes of the people playing them. Yeah. And who you're with too. Yeah. Totally. When you get that that moment, that's just like, ooh, everyone is just so excited that that specific interaction is happening on the board. I thought for sure it was going to be a bajuka bug too. Yeah. <laughs> I was like, my slow lands. But no. <laughs> yeah, my my turn one tap land. I love that it's a lantern too, because Tony has a very specific hatred of uh, what is it, Lantern of Insight? I think from one of the games that we played with one of our patrons, Soul Guide Lantern. Soul Guide Lantern. We were playing with uh, our patron Beat Farm, and Tony's playing his Rafine deck, which is like big on graveyard synergy because you're just conniving so many cards over. So like turn one or two beat plays the soul guide lantern and Tony is like immediately like cussing him out and he's salty and he's raging. And, you know, it's like we're playing with our patrons. We're trying to be like, Hey, <laughs> you know, we're the, we're the cool hosts. And Tony's just like, fuck you. <laughs> and still to this day, like if you listen closely to some of our previous episodes, you will hear Tony every once in a while, like throw out a little dig at beat, uh, <laughs> which is, which is really a term of endearment. It just means that Tony really loves him, but it's yeah. just such a funny thing. Like he, he was just able to get Tony so salty and he's like, man, I can't believe he's like, this is a crazy game. I can't believe I made one of the hosts so salty. <laughs> <laughs> it was just so funny, man. <laughs> Those early shutdowns like that always feel particularly mm -hmm. spicy though. Like if you, yeah. if you blow up a person's first land and then their land screwed, I feel like I've done that or had that done to me. I don't remember oh, the yeah. context, but definitely, uh, or you blow up their mana dork and then they're screwed. Like those early shutdown actions always feel particularly pointed. Totally. I think one of the worst ones is, is these graveyard exiling effects because they typically, especially the lanterns, they typically sit on the board and can be triggered at a later date. And you know it's fucking coming and you're like man like the first good piece of synergy that goes in my graveyard they're just gonna get rid of it and you're just sort of like waiting for it to happen and it feels like you can't build your board it feels like you can't overextend and can't take the risk and you just know it's gonna happen yeah and to me like 
I would rather have a mana dork die or even have a land get blown up than have like the constant threat of it just sitting there on the board. Well, this is kind of funny too, because in a way it sort of is like having a land blown up. You know, they they intentionally missed the right. land drop to get the <laughs> discard at the end of the turn. And then that still got screwed over. So I, I love that. It's basically like they went third instead of first. Yeah, yeah pretty much. It's one of those things that where the payoff would be like both the payoff in the game, but also the payoff of like patting yourself on the back for the galaxy brain play. If it did work, it would have been amazing. <laughs> yeah. It's yeah. like, there's no in between. There's no, like you either totally nail it. And like, everybody's in awe of your, your, your gigantic <laughs> brain or you whiff because somebody screws you over. And now it's like, you're the laughing stock of the whole table. So yeah, <laughs> it truly is the brain in a jar. Yeah fully pickled situation <laughs> yeah it is i love it uh do you guys remember those like premium decks that they used to sell like the premium deck series there's like fire and lightning graveborn and slivers mm, before no. my time it, it was a pretty sweet uh 60 card product that they used to make it came with like a special spin down die and every single card in the deck was foil even the lands so it was just like a fully <laughs> foiled out deck and generally i think they were inspired by like decks that had won tournaments in the past and stuff like that um but I'm, i might be getting that wrong but th there's some kind of inspiration there so i had the graveborn deck and it's a mono black deck except it is full of all these like banger bomb creatures and legendaries that you the whole point of the deck is you start the game you don't play a land you put one in your graveyard and then on turn two or three you reanimate it and you're attacking with like a Sphinx of the Steel Wind on turn four and just like crushing somebody. So I bought that deck in college and it was like such a menace in our play group. Once I was not stupid enough to figure out that you don't play and you discard and then you just like go for it. Hmm. And man, that strategy is so powerful and such a classic reanimator strategy too. to just hold on to the hand, pitch something turn one. And then like kick it off on turn two with a, a reanimator or something like that. I love it. It's great. Well, what do you guys think about the salt rating here? Uh, I can't say it better than was already said in the post. That is my official stance. <laughs> yeah, this is just like that friendly salt that's passed between yeah. a play group. You know, it's like, like, I feel like if we had this moment, we would just be cracking up. Mm -hmm. You know, it, it would be one of those like legendary moments that we. Yeah. Tell. Either that, or if it was Tony on the receiving end, he'd be so fucking tilted. <laughs> yeah, he would, he would screech. He would screech. Yeah, he'd, he'd do a big screech for sure. <laughs> he'd do a big screech. <laughs> I'm about to do a big screech. <laughs> oh, man. How about another one? Well, you know what, guys? That was a lot of salt. Um, I think it's time we do something we haven't done in quite a while. And that is take a little sugar break. Sugar break. <gasps> sugar break. Ooh, sugar break. Sugar break. If you haven't heard of sugar break before, uh, it's probably not your fault because we haven't fucking done one in <laughs> so long. What rock have you been under? <laughs> we haven't done it in so long. Um, so sugar break is a bit more of like a sweeter side of the howling salt mine. This is when we find a joyous post a happy post something some good news out in the world and uh read about that and chat about that a little bit so this week our sugar break comes to us from lumi 021 and they say uh, and the title of this post is wholesome moment sorry i'm fucking it up um this post comes to us from the edh subreddit from Ooh. user lumi 021 if you guys see lumi 021 on the subreddits, give them an upvote. You know the drill. Spread that. Goodwill. That is, of course, if you haven't already upvoted them, because as we always like to say, sugar break tough posts tend to be pretty darn upvoted, whereas <laughs> salty story posts kind of get some downvotes every once in a while. <laughs> this post is titled Wholesome Moment at LGS that is shutting down. And it goes. An LGS that I go to frequently will be shutting down tomorrow, and yesterday was their last commander night. Around closing time, the owner of the store came out to give thanks, and that it was fun having all of us as customers and as friends. When he wasn't working, he was always in the game room, interacting with people and playing games. 
At the end of his speech, he introduced the owner of another LGS, and they said they would be happy to to accept us all at their store. All of us there were pretty close, so we all made a discord for when we all want to meet up and play EDH, and the owner and the employees were included. He was even kind enough to hand out promos to those who didn't have a chance to retrieve them, or to didn't have a chance to receive them. This was just a beautiful demonstration of how wholesome the community of MTG could be if they all came together to support a beloved store. Hmm. And wow. there's cutting onions in here. I didn't. Yeah, there is <laughs> a little sadness. Yeah, I <laughs> thought this was just going to be sweet. This was, I thought this was supposed to be a sugar break. There's a little salt in my sugar from my tears. <laughs> and I love this. This is just no, like it is sweet though. It is. It is kind of sad though. It's um. Bittersweet. I think the term is it's saccharin, you know, mm-hmm. it's like sweet and, and kind of sad. <laughs> no, I love it. I, I love the idea of like introducing the other uh, LGS owner to yeah, and cool. like trying to find it kind of rehome this community mm-hmm. of players because it really would be a sad thing for the the closing of a store to mean that these friendships or these play groups and this this experience gets gets lost. Yeah. And to some extent, it will be. Uh, no matter what, but having another place to kind of rehome that that's a really nice, sweet way of doing a transition like that. And I, I hope all those players are still getting the games in that they're hoping to. Yeah, I hope so too. I mean, I, I think it's really cool when you have an LGS that has that type of close knit community because not all of them do. Mm-hmm. Um, but it, when it does happen, it really is a unique thing. I don't play too much at LGSs anymore, but I used to be really into going to local gaming stores when I was um, playing miniature games. I've actually experienced this actually three times um, with the stores closing. Shout out to the Wiz that used to be in the Worcester area. Uh, I used to play there back in like, um, you know, 2010 or so. I used to play a ton of War Machine there. They closed a while after I left, but it was still kind of sad when they when they closed. You know, the owner was was good people. And then the temple in Rhode Island, I used to drive down to Rhode Island and hit up that shop. It was a really tiny little shop, really close-knit community, and it just would have like fun tournaments and game days. And then, of course, my buddy Jared, who owns the Battle Standard in East Windsor, Connecticut. It's a fantastic shop. You should hit it up. You used to have a Battle Standard uh, location up in Massachusetts where all my friends and I would go hit that up and play games. That's actually kind of where I started to get back into Magic. And, um, you know, they had to close up shop, but thankfully had their East Windsor, Connecticut location still. So people still had a place to go uh, if you still wanted to, like, hang out with Jared and hang out with the employees and stuff like that. But, you know, it's just sad. It is sad when you lose that place where your group congregates and where, you know, kind of changes. And maybe you can't always get to that new place or, uh, you know, people's schedules change and all that kind of stuff. And and it is it is sad when that happens. Mm-hmm. Or your your friend moves to fucking Michigan. Uh, <laughs> yeah, of his own volition, though. It's all his fault. <laughs> he doesn't get any sympathy for that. <laughs> he did it for love. Yeah. He just closed the, the LGS out here. Yeah, Closed the LGS of our friendship. <laughs> exactly. <laughs> friendship ended with Tony. That is my new best friend. <laughs> <laughs> oh, I had this realization yesterday. I have no clue what Pat looks like. I've only ever seen his hands. That's really? amazing. Yeah, that's so, that's good. so funny. He, I mean, he's probably only like an he's hour drive guy. away from from Sam. Mm. Oh yeah, yeah. We could so definitely if do we a did game a game day at, day at Sam's place, we could just invite Pat and send pictures to Tony and live stream it to his phone directly. We should hundred yeah. percent do that. We should. <laughs> Pat, <laughs> Pat, when you hear this episode, hit us up. Let's get a game day going. <laughs> Actually, we'll hit you up because this is coming out like six months in the future. Yeah. yeah. Actually, you guys will hit me up because I'll I'll be yeah, looking be up dadding. bewildered from a baby and being like, what? Huh? Magic? I haven't heard that name in years. <laughs> <laughs> well, thank you, Lumi021, for the brief sugar break. We appreciate it. it sounds like you got a great LGS, great community. And I hope you guys are all still playing together. And it sounds like you are. It sounds like you're putting in the work to make it happen. You go, Glenn Coco. <laughs> Love that shit. Yeah, let's get back to our regularly scheduled programming. Let's do it. Let's get back in the salts, back in the mine. 
This one comes to us from the EDH subreddit. Oh, sorry. This one comes to us from the Magic TCG subreddit. Ooh. Ooh. That's right, folks. We're fucking branching out. They don't like us over there. They do downvote us, but we're branching out. <laughs> <laughs> it's been a while, actually. I haven't given them a chance. I, I should probably start posting over there again. This post is titled, Are MDFC Placeholder Cards Proxies? Oh, I have to admit, I've seen this one already. I, I, I should. All I of us we should. Text. We should read it. Though. I know what MDFCs and proxies are, though. So I know some of these words. And the post goes: I recently had a bizarre experience at an LGS I was going to for the first time. In my decks, I use those blank placeholder cards you get in packs of sets that contain MDFCs, modal dual face cards like the newest Zendikar or Strixhaven or Kaldheim, etc. I have the actual cards with me that they represent, and I pull them out when I play the placeholder card. I just don't want to be frequently flipping them around in their sleeves. I've never had an issue with using them before. They're literally the official Watsi game pieces, aren't they? But this most recent time was different. I was playing in a relatively casual commander night, small buy-in with a small prize pool. We were all having a good time, until I put down one of my MDFC placeholder cards. I moved to grab the real copy of the card that I keep with my tokens, and suddenly another player is calling over a judge. Apparently, this LGS has an absurd zero-tolerance policy regarding proxies, in quotes. And I was both disqualified from the event I paid for, as well as banned from participating in future <laughs> oh events at the store. Oh god. Has anyone else experienced anything like this? Oh my god. Holy shit. Yeah. <laughs> That's crazy. Salt. Oh my that's not salt. even salt. So that's, that's, this goes beyond salt because like if that's a WPN store and they're like not allowing play with valid game pieces, like I don't know. I feel like they could get in trouble for that from from Watsi potentially if they're especially if they're yeah. like taking your money and then being like, sorry, you can't play because you're you're using cards that aren't that are card. I mean, uh yeah. Dumb. That is literally something that would get a store's relationship with Watsi revoked. Right. Yeah, that's that's fucking insane. The the behavior is just fucking audacious. Like, first of all, they're bringing out the real card. Like they have the card. It's not a proxy. They have the card on them. MDFC placeholder cards are designed for this. Right. And it's a Watsi product. Like that. Right. It's literally put in the pack. The same pack yeah, that you it get literally the has the card, card back. is the card that you get the proxy proxy. Now I did it. Um you yeah, get the token. It, it's because it's, yeah. it's a token. <laughs> it's in the token slot, if I remember right, of where you get that. It is, yeah. But it's like the same yeah, like as it the, has the real card. Back. If you play it in draft you need to have that in your deck because you don't like have sleeves. You, you must use it in a draft if you don't sleeve your deck right. like you have to yeah and if you double sleeve like you don't want to fucking undo that shit like that's such a pain like if we talk about wanting to play a very fair game this is so this is wanting to have like fairness in life the only thing is like it sounds like the person starts calling a judge over because they think maybe it's just a true proxy initially. Like yeah. maybe they call the judge before they even see the real card out. But for anyone that's a judge too, to be like, oh, that's not allowed in this event. What? How yeah. are you, how are you a judge when you're doing that too? You I don't understand that part either. Yeah. Uh, impeached. You should be impeached. Like, okay, I get it. Like you, it first comes out, you're like, hey, you can't use that. Judge comes over. The judge comes over and you're like, oh, I'm using substitute cards to represent my modal dual-faced cards. And they're like, oh, yeah, that's okay. Carry on. Instead of being like, now that you've explained it to me, I still think it's wrong. And I still think that's a proxy and you're banned and you have to forfeit your game tonight. Get you know what you should do? You know what? You should just put the, you should unsleeve your deck and play it with the MDFC in it. And just see what they say. <laughs> you know, like, is oh, well, I'm not it? allowed. I'm not allowed to play with the you have to play with sleeves, right? So you're gonna Are make you yeah, you're gonna sleeves. make me buy sleeves. 
I don't have five color deck with with all the MDFC lands and all the MDFC yes. creatures. So it's just you could see every card you're drawing. <laughs> that just would actually be of... hilarious to do with the placeholder cards too, though. Like your your real deck is just on the side, and you're playing a full placeholder deck. <laughs> That'd be absurd. This just reminds me of all of the like classic mostly somewhat unrelated but the stories of like zero tolerance policies in school for like yeah. fighting and it's like oh you the bully was hitting you repeatedly and you push back therefore you're both going to get a suspension it's like uh this is that same same salt yeah like, that type of zero tolerance that has like no logic behind it you're like right there's just no do you logic have two no brain nuance. cells to rub together because <laughs> right. you're acting like a fucking idiot <laughs> right now yeah, zero tolerance uh, is looking a lot like zero understanding yeah, yeah. Exactly. <laughs> zero tolerance for intelligent thought um i do want to point everybody towards the comprehensive rules rule 714 titled substitute cards Rule 714.1, a substitute card is a game supplement that can be used to represent a double-faced card or meld card. A substitute card has a normal magic card back. And there are a bunch of other rules here uh, specifically on how these are a core part of the rules. They are core game pieces and can be used in your deck and that it's representative of the card. It does have some... Things about, you know, they all need to be uh, distinct from each other. It needs to be clear what card it's representing. But, like, it's in the fucking rules. Yeah. I'd be curious to see if the judge was a legit, like, WPN yeah. judge. I doubt it. Versus, like, That's what a I was saying. There's just no way. judge of yeah. the store who, like, is the person that they all turn to or is, like, the store owner or something like that. I mean, like, to some extent, I get like why a store in particular would be against proxies, right? They're trying to sell cards and you don't yeah. want people it's like pretty common. Right. And like, I get that. I think that's understandable to have a no proxies rule, but like this is so far beyond the yeah. normal proxy discussion. It's just totally ridiculous. Yeah. Like it's silly, man. It's oh, funny man. that we just had that awesome sugar break story about like about an LGS. Yeah. LGS where all the people at the LGS were like, LGS owner, can we still hang out with you? And he's like, sure, I'll still hang out with you and my employees too. And they're like, yeah, our friend group. And then here they're like, yeah, you're fucking banned for that for life. Get the fuck out. And you know what though? Like it's not even just the, I mean, my read of the post was that like it was well understood that in this person, the outsider was not in the know about yeah. this rule and everybody else was like quick to point the finger and like, ah, yeah. Billy, look, he's playing a proxy. Yeah. Uh, That's also, a good point as well. Like, <laughs> if someone busts out a proxy, be like, hey, new person, uh, we actually aren't cool with that here. But hey, here's your warning. Instead of being like, hey, new person, never come back. Yeah. <laughs> so right. Stupid. How is that a good business move? <laughs> hey, new person, we don't want you here. Yeah. <laughs> Please don't buy cards, but we want you to buy cards and not use proxies. But you specifically must leave forever yeah. and yeah. never come back. You're but not you know allowed what? to use those cards, though. Those valid real cards. <laughs> You're not you allowed know what? to that use judge, them. They probably slept so soundly that night knowing that they upheld their no tolerance proxy <laughs> policy. <laughs> They just got home and they're like, oh, honey, I had a great day at the office today. I, fucking... <laughs> I, I got laid to kick someone lot. out of an event. It was yeah. really good. Really happy to see that. Made me feel like a big man with integrity. Yeah. I love <laughs> nothing more than stopping someone from playing magic. And I really got to do that today. And I got to take their money on the side. How great was that? Yeah. <laughs> oh my God, dude. Fucking we didn't even touch on it being an event with prize support. Like that on its own is a tricky thing to navigate. We've heard some yeah. stories of that being successful or working for people. And seems like it, as long as it's really low stakes, it's okay. But that does add an element of, of come on because because then it makes it seem like the competitors are trying to get you kicked out just to try and get this edge on that i mean oh, it's very that likely prize. that that was part of it yeah 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 like i wonder how much that person fought for that proxy rule when the judge came over you know yeah. to get that person dq'd and like you know yeah. potentially move closer towards that prize because that 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 is a legit thing people definitely do that i could yeah. i can just hear in my head the voice yeah 
Um, excuse me, Judge. Well, actually, there's rules against proxies at the store. This is a proxy. It is literally a proxy. It is standing in for the other cart. That is what a proxy is. That is the uh, definition the of proxy. The Dictionary defines proxy as a... <laughs> 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 Nothing against people with that voice, but this person definitely has uh, that. A little, yeah, exactly. little bit against. A little bit against. Yeah, just blow your nose a little bit. You got some, yeah. some stuff stuck up there. Get your deviated septum fixed. Oh, hey, I got one of those, so. Yeah, Nick, we're talking to you. This is an intervention. <laughs> this is me. Well, actually, we were doing uh, Nick impressions, my, right? my yeah. nose is deviated, we're, so. We're not even recording this episode. This is just a long lead up to get you to fix your deviated septum. <laughs> That's a weird thing to have an intervention for. <laughs> hey, it wasn't my idea. Talk to Mike. <laughs> Look, Nick, it's just been getting more and more deviated and wow. less and less septum, and it's got to be fixed. <laughs> <laughs> oh man what a weird tangent that turned on to. <laughs> yeah uh, we're just yes anding into nonsense yeah <laughs> classic improv yep <laughs> oh man all right someone say a food food banana <laughs> i heard banana i heard banana you, out there you heard banana there's always money in the banana stand <laughs> well is it uh is it that time? Ooh. What what time? What time? What time, you know, Mike? The time of the week Ooh. comes every week. Oh. I'm not familiar with can you explain it to me in I great detail? I think it is. I think it is that time of the week. Nick, we'll yeah. we'll indoctrinate you. I mean, this okay, is cool. this week. We know you never um, listen, so I'm never we'll, not we'll tell a you what it episode. is. <laughs> what am I what podcast is this again? <laughs> you guys are talking about Yu-Gi-Oh, right? Yeah. <laughs> yeah, this is our <laughs> What it do, Yugi? Um, I play pot of green. Draw three draw cards. cards. That's what it do. Oh man, Sam's Yu-Gi-Oh voices are perfect. Oh, like dude. legitimately too good. Watched a lot of Yu-Gi-Oh growing up. Made a lot of Yu-Gi-Oh impressions in college to make my, bet. my friends laugh. And somehow you still got married. It's impressive, really. Hey, you know, just I'm funny and handsome, and I'm tall, and I have a deep voice. Yeah, it's the it's the wombo combo for those, sure. Those are the positives that go against the many negatives. <laughs> <laughs> it's that time of the week where we say, Mike, what's the salty card of the week? The salty Mike, card Mike, of the Mike, week Mike, 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 Mike. this week is Consecrated salty Sphinx. Salty card of the week. It's the salty card of the week. Yeah. Of the week. Nice. Got in there. He did. <laughs> Consecrated Sphinx is four and two blue for a creature Sphinx with flying. And whenever an opponent draws a card, you may draw two cards. And it's a four six. Yep. So, uh, what's Sam, the shirt say? It's blue is the best color for the best players? Yeah, blue is the best color for the best right, players okay. that I love I got playing that right. the best magic. It's, right. It's trash for trash people, baby. Uh, uh, Tony's not here. I don't know why you'd feel like you need to say it. You I'll don't echo have to, it. Don't have to echo keep masking on that, Sam. I will echo it with this one. Um, mm. Yeah, Consecrated Sphinx does make me a little bit salty. Not crazy. I think one of the reasons is that when it comes down, it's such a huge target that pretty much everybody is on high alert. And they're like, okay, we all need to fucking get rid of the Consecrated Sphinx. So it's one of those cards that's salty, but it's usually a team effort to destroy. The thing that really gets me salty with a Consecrated Sphinx is when there's a Smothering Tithe on board. Ugh. Because you know that Sphinx player is not paying for any of that shit. And the Tithe player is just getting fucking straight value. Yeah. Over and the Tithe and player is not going to remove the again. Sphinx either. Yeah, yeah, and Tithe player is never going to remove the Sphinx. So you lose an ally... Two people are getting buffed like crazy. It, it's very similar in my mind as like Ristic Study and Smothering Tithe, study. Yeah. tithe together because that is also a really irritating combination. This one is way worse in my opinion, though. Mm -hmm. um, you can also cheat out a Consecrated Sphinx like pretty easily. Uh, hey, you just put it on the battlefield. Yeah. I mean, well, you <laughs> can hope like... no one notices. Right. Yeah, you like just cheat it out. Cheaty face yeah. it. Yeah. Mm -hmm. But like putting it in your yard and reanimating it, um, like there's just tons and tons of different ways to to get it out. Uh, Nick actually has this in his Animar CDH deck, and guess what? It comes down pretty easily when you have some counters yeah. on Animar. It's a pretty good card when it costs two blue. 
yeah, right. two or roof. in a deck that just has a bunch of fast mana too. Yeah, yeah, like uh, popping that out in a really early game before people have established boards. Like you will take it over and probably win. It doesn't get me super salty, like the presence of it, but specifically that interaction with Smothering Tithe, I hate. I just really hate that. Mm-hmm. And then in general, just like the way it warps a game, um, can be kind of tilting from from time to time. Yep. Nick, I how do you feel about Consecrated Sphinx? I don't find it salty. I think it's. I mean, I, I get Sam's points. I think there's they're definitely valid, but I think uh, like I like it. I play it. And I have a couple copies. Uh, I don't know. It's it's just a good card. I feel like there's definitely more salt inducing cards for me in blue in particular. I think mm-hmm. it's still six mana. So like, you know, the CDH point is fair, but it's also CDH where you're going to see high power stuff. I feel like six mana in a casual game, like you're going to want it to do, you know, to punch at or above that weight. And I think it does. Um, I don't know. My experience playing with it is is either people recognize that it's a threat and quickly get rid of it or they sleep on it, which is like, mm, you get what you pay for at that point, right? Like if you're, yeah. if you're sleeping on the consecrated Sphinx, like that's, that's on you. That's not on me playing it. Like I'm going to get my value from it. Uh, and you guys should recognize that this is a big piece to remove. Um, so I don't know. It doesn't make me salty. I don't mind seeing it across the table because I think creatures are generally pretty easy to remove, but I also play it enough. So fair enough. Yeah, it is often coming down on your side of the table. Yeah, it is. <laughs> I play good cards. What can I say? Uh, Mike, how do you feel about this card? So I think I think I you guys like, have come touched... on, Mike. Fucking talk, dude. Please. What are you waiting for? It's like <laughs> say oh, the line, shit. Bart. <laughs> yeah, I'm supposed to ask. <laughs> um, I think you guys have touched on a lot of the stuff that makes this one both salty and kind of okay i think it's saving grace is that it doesn't say can't it doesn't directly negatively impact other players yeah uh, and so and you know that's part of what makes it annoying with smothering tithe is it is directly giving someone else value so it's scary there um but it doesn't it doesn't actually negatively impact you immediately but it does live in blue, which means that a lot of those two cards that you're drawing are something that's going to negatively impact you. And, you know, in an extreme example, if 50% of your deck is counter spells, then you're just drawing an answer and another card every single time. You know, like you're always drawing into stuff that lets you keep that consecrated sphinx around. I think the other thing, really almost the only thing about this card that makes me salty is I just feel... Like it should be a mandatory draw to give it like <laughs> a downside, yeah. you know, it just feels like the kind of card that would have that aspect to it. And it doesn't, it just lets, it's a may draw two cards. So you can't even like cheekily mill someone out with it. Yeah. I um, also always forget that it is a may and do genuinely often think that it is mandatory. <laughs> yeah. yeah. <laughs> like you get so close to having that gotcha every time yeah. and then you're like, ah, oh, I got myself. <laughs> I think the, the other thing to add with Consecrated Sphinx, that is a piece that I don't like about it, is the interaction that happens when there are two Consecrated Sphinxes on the board. <laughs> like yeah. if someone makes one and someone copies it, it's just... Oh my God. It's just like, they both get crazy value and it's so complicated and annoying. It's like, okay, I'm going to draw two cards. And then they're like, all right, well now I'm going to draw four cards. It's like, well, okay, I guess I'll draw eight. And it's just, it just gets like insane. Um, And it kind of becomes this weird arms race where like those two players are both super happy to be drawing cards and not kind of losing sight that the other person is getting a shit ton of value too. And then the other two players are just like, well, we're out of the game. Yeah. We're just going to lose now. Yeah. I will also point out, you know, I like the card, but I also think it does not need to be a four, six flyer either. Mm. (laughs) Like it's also just a big flying body in addition to this very, very powerful effect. So I, I feel like they could have done it as like a two, two dork and been fine with that. Yeah, it could have been like a, had it to be a like four, a two four, four or like flyer. a three three for for right. seven. I think would have been totally fine. Seven would have been a bit much, but in, I think it doesn't need the the stat line that it has. Isn't it yeah. seven? It's six. Oh, it's six. It's okay, six yeah. mana. Yeah, yeah. Then, then I think like yeah, two three probably would be fair or something like that. But yeah, it's 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 also good. definitely a card that was designed well before Commander, and I think that shows. Well, yeah. it's interesting because 
it, it doesn't like the parody actually isn't that different between the two like no matter what with consecrated sphinx every draw an opponent has is twice as bad for them i think the main difference with commander is that you just have more opponents that are it's still bad for right yeah it, it's the it's the perspective from one player to the consecrated sphinx player like if it's one-on-one -on -one, i draw you draw two then you go to your turn and you draw one so each round you're up three cards in the perspective mm -hmm. from a commander game i draw one you draw two 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 and then one and you're up seven cards with a, a rotation grade. of the table full grip yeah, and a rotation full, yeah. Yeah. that's yeah. a significant difference and it's like yeah. oh my god that's like, true yeah it's just that gets crazy yeah. it's like before my next turn you're gonna draw seven cards like minimum shit. that's yeah, minimum. no one minimum. else draws something exactly that's minimum it's good it's a good card it's a good, it's card. A good card um where is 17. this on the list mike it's only 17 bucks too well uh you guys can guess so take some take some shots mm. at it 13 Ooh. 13 feeling lucky 13 you think it's 13 no, but 13 is my lucky number, and I'm feeling lucky. Okay, there you go. Well, you're going to be unlucky. Uh, I think uh, it's what like if... 74. Okay. Uh, for Nick, I'm going to give you a second guess. Your 13 is honored, but we've we've already covered 13. It was Urza, uh, Lord High Artificer. So I'll give you another, another shot at it here. 26. 26. And what was yours, Sam? 74. Sam takes it again. It is 61. Yeah. Well, yeah, right, I mean, right in the middle of the chunk there. advantage in in my intimate knowledge of the top 20 cards of <laughs> the salty list, <laughs> which are basically like four winter orb effects and like yeah. six land destruction effects <laughs> and then some like truly degenerate salty shit. Yeah. <laughs> it's just true. A restricted library. Yeah. Um, for real. Yeah, that's for real. Like you need to teacher's permission to run these cards yeah. <laughs> I, I definitely feel like the bottom 50 makes sense for that and, and i definitely. think it's one of those cards that in a really casual setting is tilting you know um because the value is just so crazy and if people are battle cruisery and they're not like you don't see heuristic study stuff like that consecrated sphinx coming down it's kind of expensive it's over 15 bucks um almost 20 and the card draw engine is just insane. So I, mm -hmm. I could see that coming down in like a battle cruiser game and just overwhelming. The funny thing about it in a battle cruiser game, though, is like a lot of those decks are a little higher mana curve average. So a lot of the time the play pattern is, OK, well, I play the best two cards out of these seven that I drew, but then I discard down to hand size. Yes. <laughs> <laughs> But you're still digging for those big bombs. Well, you are digging, though. It's true. Never you are playing the best Tower? cards of those. When? Yeah, yeah, you play you play Reliquary Tower in every Battle Cruiser deck. True. You should, <laughs> frankly. Except your reanimator deck. Yeah, except for reanimator. <laughs> yeah, really. <laughs> well, you need to discard. <laughs> I play Reliquary Tower. Oh, Fuck. Shit. oh god. <laughs> Why is it this deck working? Why did I do that? Oh, dude. All right. Well, that yeah, that wraps up the salty card of the week. Well, thanks, Mike. That was a lovely Salty card of the week. And thank you to our listeners for tuning into another episode of the Howling Saltmine podcast. And Nick, thank you for being our guest co-host again Thanks, today. Nick. I have nothing to say this time. Nick. I have already said my piece. All right. Well, um, peace be peace with said. you. Peace be And with said. your spirit. <laughs> I am I'm legally required to disclose that I am not a full-time member of the podcast. <laughs> this is an every episode disclaimer now. <laughs> Uh, you are the it. super secret fourth the mythical fourth <laughs> member mythical of fourth the member yeah nick is not a salaried employee of uh howling salt mine holdings every everything i say is of my own opinion and does not represent the, howling salt mine. <laughs> the same goes for tony though honestly his opinions do not reflect yeah. the organization tony says some wild shit sometimes and we're like <laughs> oh man oh, so <laughs> funny well if you are looking to have a little bit more howling salt mine in your life check out our patreon howling salt mine oops patreon.com slash howling salt mine uh every month we are coming out with extra salt our 
additional monthly series where sometimes we're talking about magic cards. Sometimes we're talking about our lives. We did a deck tech recently that was really fun where each of us did a deck tech on uh, some of our more iconic decks. Um, I did Rafik, Mike did Aura, and Tony, of course, did Grenzo, the Jankspeg Dungeon Warden, which is jank. No, it's not. We have a very incriminating <laughs> recording on there of uh, Tony <laughs> agreeing that. that it's not that janky, so, good. so you got to listen to that. <laughs> the, the the judge comes in and drops the band hammer. He was so perfect, hilarious. too. Or he was like, <laughs> He's like, I didn't agree to that. And then it's just like, beep. And he's like, yeah, I agree to that. (laughs) I think really awesome. And we also have our Stray Grains series, which is our short form series where we're taking our side stories, some of our longer rambling moments uh, that push our episode over our typical time limits. And we're taking those and packaging them up for you. So you can just get a little extra sprinkle of that ramble into every week. If you want a salty story on our show in the future, we would love to hear it. Email us at thehowlingsaltmine at gmail.com or hit us up on Twitter or Instagram or a Reddit DM is fine as well. And all of those social media accounts are available in our link tree. Uh, Generally, it's The Howling Salt Mine. On Twitter, we are Howling Salt Mine. We couldn't get the the. Merchandise. We have merchandise now. If you want to wear some Howling Saltmine swag, we've got a bonfire store that's up. You can get the blue is a trash color shirt, or you can get one of, well, you can get them all, actually. You can get two of our logo shirts. We've got the full border podcast logo shirt, and we got the borderless for that sleeker, sexier look. The nighttime look. The nighttime look. <laughs> the close relations look. <laughs> That's the shirt for when the sun is down, you know, yeah. <laughs> and you're hitting the town. Pop that on with a suit jacket and you'll be ready for karaoke in no time. Oh, boy. <laughs> Throw on your fedora and walk out the door in your cargo shorts. <laughs> Put on your fedora and walk out the door. <laughs> <laughs> and lastly, we got to shout out J.D. Burnett, our fantastic podcast artist for gracing us with this beautiful podcast art that we love so much. If you were ever in Asheville, North Carolina, and you want an awesome tattoo, hit up JD. Well, thanks, everybody. Stay salty. And as always, don't forget to draw an additional card during your draw step. It's the Howling Salt The Howling Salt So cute. That cat is so cute. <laughs> Look at her shaved is... little belly. She got oh, her belly shaved belly. from the vet. She's got Aww. a little shaved belly. Just like zucchini. Oh. Zucchini always has that belly. Sometimes I start something and then I don't want to say it. <laughs> Halfway through, I'm like, I don't need to fucking say that. I'm going to cut that out. Anyway. I'm not going to say that. Yeah. <laughs> I still won't say it. Did you well, check your butthole? <laughs> oh my God. <laughs> <laughs> what is that? Do you not know that? Oh, yeah. man. That makes no, it so much better. That was just you saying that to two completely out of the loop people. That's so much better. I'll send you the video after this. Hmm. Wouldn't saccharin be like synthetically sweet? Um, I have to look it up, dude. <laughs> You're ruining the moment. It's excessively with, sweet with or sentimental. Search. Sentimental. Oh, yeah, it is saccharin. That's fucking right. Fair enough. This saccharin is fuck. Fucking <laughs> saccharin. It's supposed to so goddamn saccharin. <laughs> Make you feel saccharin. That's uh, <laughs> so stupid. The, the behavior... yeah, so just to. Yeah, yeah go, go ahead. Mike. No, 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 you go. Mike. No, 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 you go. No, no, you go. No, Nick. No. Nick you know what? Nick. No, you go. go. <laughs> I'll okay, go. I'll go.